as I introduced the subject of doctrines last week. We are venturing into the first one this morning and we'll be spending two, maybe three weeks on the doctrine of God. So that's pretty fundamental. <laughs> well, we'll see if we know what he is like because there's a lot of, lot of teaching around here. Um, <clears throat> you go to the Bible. First verse says, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning was God. <laughs> in the beginning. And he created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't argue for his existence. It just assumes that we're smart enough <laughs> to know that he exists. We haven't got a lot of smart people around, have we? <laughs> because most people are denying the fact that he exists. And the last verse in the scripture, <clears throat> it talks about, well, let me read that one. In, I thought I had it in memory. I should have. The gra yes, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Starts with God, ends with God in the last verse of Scripture. And all between those two verses, all the content of Scripture is about the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so what better place to start than our study of the doctrine of God in our studies of doctrine? <clears throat> Doubting Thomas said, after being told by the Lord, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Thrust thy hand into my side, be not faithless. And Thomas answered and said unto him, what did he say? My Lord and my God. <laughs> no doubts after that, were there? And we ought to be able to say that, and I pray that we have said that sometime in our life, and we say it often when we are thankful for what he has done. My Lord and my God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray that it might be fixed in our heart. And Lord, as we speak of yourself today, as we give you honour from your word and preaching about you, may our hearts be blessed and enriched, for we have many things we have benefited from. From the hand of a mighty God, and one day to be living with him forever. Bless those that are here. Bless the Sunday school classes. Be with our missionaries. Those that aren't well, as many of them today aren't here because of that. Lord, strengthen each one. May we rejoice on this your day for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the three things we'll be looking at this morning, Lord willing, what people believe, their world view. It's called the world view. If <clears throat> I said there is no God, what would I be? A fool. <laughs> okay, we've read that in the scripture. A fool, but what do we term that in? Atheist. An atheist. <laughs> That's some people's worldview. Many people's worldview. Let's say the majority of people believe atheism. And we read in Psalm, as you've just quoted, 14, verse 1 The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth God good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and, uh, and seek God. 
They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. If, if you want a, a bigger list to, to, feel, to feel bad about, <laughs> then read Romans 1 and it describes more what we were all like. Praise God for his salvation. So, atheism. What if I said, well, I don't know if there's a God. What would I be classified as? Agnostic. Gnosticism is knowledge. A, a agnostic with an A in front means I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, <clears throat> so I pray that you're not in that state, an undecided person, because you have to make a decision, and that decision will uh, eventually put you in the destiny of heaven or hell. We need to know that he is. <laughs> <clears throat> In the midst of the explosion of knowledge in the last, what, one and a half centuries, many have forgotten that the greatest knowledge they could possess is the knowledge of who? Atheists, atheists and agnostics have forgotten. No, suppose, and they are always looking, inhabitants from other planets were discovered and they never will be. <laughs> You could save yourself trillions of dollars just listen to the Bible <laughs> and uh, you'll have the answer. Even if that was discovered, this would not be as great a knowledge as the knowledge that God has sent his only begotten son to redeem our souls and that we have a place in heaven. For the accumulated knowledge of all mankind from all times in history and the future cannot get you to heaven. Science won't do it, but God will. And the knowledge that people need is the knowledge they're denying in their atheism and their agnosticism. Well, <clears throat> what if I said... I believe there are many gods. This is my world view. Many gods. What would I be? <laughs> Another fool. <laughs> Polytheistic. Polytheism is what it's called. Uh, Hinduism. Yeah, some Hindus just got mad with me, but I was probably none listening. But in Acts chapter 17 and verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious, or very religious. For as I passed by, and behold, your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly, ignorantly worship him, declare unto you. So as he went past, he saw all their gods, polytheistic in their uh, belief, in their worldview, but God, Paul was going to present them with the one true God, wasn't he? <laughs> I pass by, I beheld your devotions to the unknown God that is unknown by them. You miss one. <laughs> the main one, the only one. <laughs> God of heaven. Then <clears throat> there is another worldview. It's called pantheism. Pan meaning all. Theism, a belief in God. Now listen to this one hard because you might be able to equate it with folks today. 
God is everything and everything is God. You got any inclinations of who these people might be? Believe the universe like God is uncreated and equal with the divine. They say all life forms, plants, animals and minerals have souls. Are you thinking yet about people in our day? <laughs> Who said it over here? Greenies. Greenies. <laughs> uh, because, you know, and I have said it, we're, we're pushing big pine trees, huge big pine trees down at Frankston. We're pushing them over, down a mat, just on the side of the main street toward the beach when we're putting the sewer line in for Melbourne to run out the ocean in the bite. And <clears throat> the tree, the greenies were hugging the trees and they weren't letting the bulldozers come near them. They just tied themselves, to, strapped themselves to the trees. And I do this a lot. Of, you know, I believe in conserving, but this was for the benefit of all to, to do what they were doing. Anyway... <clears throat> They said when we started pushing them over, can't you hear them screaming? Them screaming. See, these, these things had souls. That's what they believe. Uh, a pantheist. They, 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 they don't, probably haven't heard the word pantheism, but that's where they're at. In Romans chapter 1, I don't know that we're going to get through this. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, we read it last week, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to wise, they become fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. You see, man has no more right to live than a kangaroo, or any animal, or any tree. That's why, you see, they don't value human life. But what does God put the value of a human life? How much is the whole world? He said, what is it? Prophet of man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. <clears throat> Buddhism, paganism, ecologists can be without realising a pantheist. And they probably never considered it. In the book of Colossians... Christianity says God created everything and he upholds everything. He's not in everything. Everything is submiss submissive to him. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, we read there, <clears throat> By him were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. End of story. <laughs> he made it, he governs it, he holds it together. And when he says, loose and let go, that will be the, the uh, <clears throat> big explosion. What do they call that? The Big Bang. <laughs> the wrong end of history. They say Big Bang started it. No, Big Bang will finish it. And the Lord, and, and he'll fold them up, put away like a garment is put away as they wax old. That's the Christian view, not a pantheistic pantheistic view. And then there's another that probably is harder to discern, but deism. Deism. Someone who believes in a single God, small g, who created the world but does not act to influence events. 
It's like this, they, you're the old clock. You used to wind it up, sit on the thing, but if you didn't wind it up a day or two later, it unwound. And that's, that they, he's wound it up and then let it run its course. They reject revelation as a source of divine knowledge. This is deism. And they're rationalistic in their thinking. They're orientated towards scientific fact and teaching, but not toward divinity, not toward God. And in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three, verse four, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? These mocking people, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. You know, it's just been wound up and it's running its course. And one day, even scientists know one day it will run its course and it'll be finished. And a lot sooner it will happen than they think because God is in control. He can, he can unwind the clock quick. <laughs> but in verse 7 of Second Peter 3, But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So <clears throat> he is in control. But they say he's not. Now there's the last one, and this is what I hope you are, a theist. <laughs> Theism, a personal infinite God beyond the universe, but acts within the universe. <clears throat> Believe in one God who created everything, one God in three persons, the Trinity, we know that. He created every, everything and intervene, intervenes in, in, in the creation, but is distinct from the creation. Just give you a few, few instances. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He inter, intervened, didn't he? For our benefit, he intervened. Before the flood, it says God saw what was going on. The wickedness of man that was great, and he, he came down and did something about it. He intervened, didn't he? About 400 or so years or less later, after the flood, <laughs> man was up to the old tricks again. God said, scatter, scatter and fill the earth. And they said, no, let's stick together. Otherwise, the dinosaurs will eat us. <laughs> no, I know they might have that diet. They didn't have guns to, to kill these monsters in those days. You say, they weren't round. Yes, they were. You read Job. You read Job 38, 39, and I, I go back over and over it. And I thought, wow, and my imagination runs wild. <laughs> you know, these, these leviathans and things, they're not just alligators, folks. They're a lot bigger than alligators. Um, anyway, and God intervened at the Tower of Babel. In fact, it says in Genesis 11, verse 5, and the Lord came down. It literally says that. In all these instances, God intervened and he confused the languages. The Abrahamic covenant was given. God came down and the three men came to Abraham and he hastened to dress a calf and feed them. And that was the angel of the Lord. It was the Lord himself, one of them. Um, the promised seed in Genesis 18. He came down and promised Abraham a seed. The Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, 15 and 17 is given. The Exodus uh, did God come down? Was he intervening in the events and affairs of the world at that time? Oh, yeah. Ten plagues brought on Egypt. And the, even the soothsayers and astrologers said, this is none other than the hand of God. We can't do it anymore. I think they did two or three of the first. They copied them. No, after that, they said, no. 
and, and in the future. I think that's exactly what's going to happen in the tribulation. The Greenies and everyone say, this is climate change. This is climate change. This is global warming. And then it'll get so severe, they'll have to say, no, this is the hand of God. <laughs> this is the hand. It used to be the insurance policy is an act of God, but that's gone out of all those policies now. They don't believe in God anymore, so it's not an act of God. Um, <clears throat> that's where we've gone. We became atheistic and agnostic in, in our society. Well, <clears throat> he gave the law. And the, and the Mount Sinai shook as it was in a smoke and Moses was up there getting the law. Then Christ came. The anointed. Christ the anointed came. And uh, he came down and he sent Gabriel, the, the archangel, to tell Mary what was going to happen to her and who was going to be born to her in Luke Chapter 1, I haven't got time to look at all these verses. I've got heaps of them written down where it says he came down or he saw or he intervened in some way. Now from that time, from the, no, from the ascension of Jesus Christ till now, has he, has he in the Bible, is it set, does it say he came or has come down since? No. <laughs> He's going to come down again. And what is the, who is it going to be for? Christians. He's going to come in the clouds and he's going to call us up to be with him forever. And then he's going to send seven years of terrible tribulation, acts of God, intervening in the affairs of men to bring them in, to rein them in from their thinking, their God. And then he comes down literally at the end of that seven years and he, he rules and reigns. So we're theists. Christianity, Islam and Judaism are theistic, theistic in their worldview. Now I'm not recommending them all. <laughs> I'm only recommending Christianity. But that's um, Judaism. And, and even commentators, unsafe people in our society today, conservative people are saying we are Judeo-Christian, we have the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's built our hospitals, it's built our society. Why are we, why are we walking away from it? Folks, there's bad times ahead for a nation that has been so blessed and walks away from the God that gives the blessings to us. Well, <clears throat> so that's what people believe. That's their worldview. And if you want to have them in a bit of detail there in the, in the app, uh, what a telegram, and you'll find the outline there. Now, how people argue or philosophically for the existence of God. This is what people do and we do too there's the cosmological argument what's cosmos the, the, the creation, the world the cosmos the cosmolo cosmological argument yeah. don't get confused say well just too big a word no, it's just those people who put it together <laughs> no that's the way English is it, it, it says or says the cause and effect. If you're in and never been to in the jungle and lived there all your life in loincloth and, you know, hunter-gatherer person. And then an aeroplane flew over, roaring across. What would you think? <laughs> well, it must be a god or <laughs> something because... Uh, or if you really thought, you say, how did they put that together? 
Who put that together? If they saw a car roaring past, or no, a four-wheel drive in the jungle, or a boat going up the... Who put that together? And folk, the world is like that to these... We understand that. This is an argument for God that the cosmos is ordered. There's cause and effect. Look at anything manufactured, you have to say somebody designed it. It didn't come out of the tip. It didn't just put itself together. And Psalm 19 talks about that. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The next argument for the existence of God is a teleological argument. <clears throat> there is observable order and design in the world I don't know if it was the Psalms, Job, or who, <laughs> Ecclesiastic. All the rivers run into the sea, but the sea is not getting any fuller. <laughs> it doesn't quite say like that, but it's not, you know, if you have a creek running into a dam, the dam will fill up. But there is an order to it, isn't there? And, and way back before the scientists realised all that was going on, it says it in the scripture, <laughs> that the vapour comes up and it forms clouds. And the clouds drop the rain, and the rain runs into rivers, and the rivers run back into the sea, and it evaporates again. It keeps it nice and clean, at least, <laughs> through that evaporation. My neighbour's making one of those to keep clean water. So he's got nice clean water. He's evaporating it from the sun and getting it, and, and that's his drinking water. He doesn't like the fluoride and the chlorine and you know all the things that pump in. But that's the teleological argument. It's all ordered. In Psalm 139, verse 14, Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Every soul should know right well that God is running it in an orderly fashion. And as I've said before recently, that the stars and everything, you know, the, the old people in sailing ships, they could know where they were by the stars. They worked out as a sexton they had and they worked out where they were. And how could they be so reliable? Because they're right on time. And we can go back, into the scientists can go back in time and they study the stars and things and they can tell when there's going to be an eclipse and they tell us, don't they, if you want to be at the eclipse, go over to Western Australia and it's be a full eclipse and on such and such a day at such and such an hour. Why? Because it's running like clockwork. It's ordered God is a God of order, teleological argument. Then there's the anthropological argument. I should announce, sort of practice these up. Um, <laughs> all men possess a moral inclination, and it's particularly little ones, until they get corrupt and start thinking against God. There must be some basis or reason for moral behaviour that is beyond this life. Man has a conscience, a moral nature. He has intelligence. He has mental capacities. These days, many consider that man is just a biological blob or just organic, and so is an animal. So what different are we to them? <laughs> We're created in the image of God. Man is, as I said recently, <coughs> And we have been given these faculties, intelligence and abilities to think through things and, uh, you know, 
I've never seen an animal do a maths problem. Not even one and one. Maybe they can put a couple things together, but they're not. We have been created. In Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> if we. Acts chapter 17, there, the first one that I've. In verse 29, it says this when Paul was speaking to them at Mars Hill, he concluded, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God his is like gold and silver or stone, graven by, the, by art and by man's devices. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And <clears throat> we are more than the creation around us. God has given us abilities. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 14, it says this, And when the Gentiles who have not the law do by nature, nature, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. The law unto themselves is becoming rampant these days. They need to go back to the law of God and see and the law of their conscience who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You see, there's that moral inclination that they know when they've done wrong. When a child, your children, have done wrong, it's written all over them. Their behaviour tells you, uh, what have you done, Johnny? <laughs> You're looking around for the biscuit crumbs or the the uh, lolly jar lid open, or you know, <laughs> they're guilty. They've got a moral inclination, but an animal just eat away and won't feel guilty about that at all. We have that anthropological argument. This is man is made in God's image, and in that day when God shall judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, everyone will be held accountable. There's, then there's the ontological argument. Man has an idea of an infinite and perfect being. We, we want it better than it is. And we keep striving for better until we die. <laughs> and then we leave it all behind anyway. <laughs> but there's this argument. It's probably a harder one to, to see and to think about. But in the book of Ecclesiastics, Ecclesiastics chapter 3 and verse 11, I thought I had a tag, but we'll go there. Chapter 3, verse 11 and verse 14. It says this, He hath made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he hath set the world, and that word, as you look at Strong's Concordance, can be eternity in their heart. Who? Man's heart. He said eternity, perfection in the heart of man. I've spoken of this not so many months ago. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And down in verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it and nothing taken from it. It is perfect. God hath put this in our heart. We want that. We desire that. We desire better than what we have. Don't we? Do you, I pray that you do, want better than what we have in this world? Well, thirdly, we've looked at what people believe, their worldview, how people argue philosophically, those four points, how God has revealed himself to, ma 
to mankind. That makes man responsible. God has revealed himself, as we've already mentioned, in nature. And what psalm would you go to? You should be able to do this off the top of your head now. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. This is the natural revelation. God has revealed himself in nature. It's given to all. Everybody can see it. And it's intended for all. Because judgment day, God will say, why didn't you search me out? Special revelation in this fact is given in Psalm 19 and verse 7. You see, the first part is talking about natural revelation and God has revealed himself in in what he has made. But in verse 7, it says, For the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Yeah. <laughs> So you see, there's the natural argument, then there's the special revelation, the natural revelation and special special revelation. And this special revelation has 40 authors and was written over 1,600 years and God has given it to us, hasn't he? What a blessing he has given it to us, this special revelation and for the Jewish people particularly, they are accountable. They are responsible because God gave it through them. That's why there's so severe a judgment come upon them because of their rejection of the special revelation that's given to them to give out to the world. The church has taken up where they left off. Well, they, did, they weren't really doing it, were they? They, did, they will in one day do it. In Romans 10, it tells us in Romans 10... Verse 17 and 18, it says, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, by the special revelation. We have the natural revelation, but we have the special revelation. The word of God, faith comes as we believe it. But I say then, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth. You almost write there, missionary. <laughs> their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. You see, God has sent it out that people might hear. God gets people's ear and attention somewhere in their life at some time. It might be you talking to another, to another human being, to another unsaved, or to an unsaved person. Well, <clears throat> given to all, intended for all, the special revelation is given to few but intended for all, isn't it? John 3.16, For God so loved the world for all people. Natural revelation, adequate for condemnation. And John chapter 3, verse 16, 17 and 18 speak of that. If you don't believe, you are condemned already. You, you don't have any excuse. There will nobody be able to stand at the great white throne judgment and say, God, you didn't tell me. Because God in the natural revelation has given the message. In fact, the message is in the stars. We are privileged to live under the Southern Cross, representing the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the others. The lion, Leo. Yeah, don't go with the astrologers. 
Go with what God has said. Job talks about these constellations way back then. He, he knew them. God had revealed these things. And so they have, <clears throat> it's adequate to condemn a person if they don't read the word or drive, it drives them to read and seek out the truth. Um, in special revelation, it's adequate for salvation. Is it not? <laughs> yes, of course. In, Rev- in Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The special revelation. Can you remember when it came to you? I, I can't. I, back with the, being a child in a Christian home, going to Sunday school and things, I don't know where it clicked, but it was about 12 when I understood I was a sinner and need to get saved. But the special revelation spoke through the evangelist Charles Ridley that day. Um, and in Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, oh, chapter, yes, chapter 1, verse 19, we have more, a more sure word of prophecy. What is the special revelation unto which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star the Lord Jesus arises in your heart. Well, I just have to say, without looking up the verses, the rest. God has revealed himself, and man is responsible. Natural revelation proclaims God's greatness. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be feared. Psalm 145 speaks of that in verses 1 through to 6. And Isaiah 40, 25 to 26. In the special revelation... It proclaims God's grace. So God's greatness in the creation, God's grace in the scriptures. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And lastly, where do we find the natural revelation? Well, all around us, all around us. And it speaks of that in, in Romans chapter 2. I will turn to this one. I know we've gone over time, but Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and six to 16. And we read it before. The Gentiles who have not the law do by nature things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts. It's written in their hearts. God has written it there. In chapter 1 and verse 19, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has shown it unto them. We find it in nature, we find it in history. Unsaved people say, how is the Jewish nation still in existence with all that's happened to them? God. That's it, God. And that is a a testimony in itself and will be in the future, in the tribulation. But where do we find the special revelation? Well, in the book. (laughs) In the book. And in the book of Hebrews 1.1 it says... God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. There we have a scripture given. Moses and the prophets is mentioned there. And in verse 2, in the incarnation, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. We have no excuse. Christians, we ought to walk according to the word of God. We have no excuse for going away from the book. 
the churches today have gone away from preaching the book the word the eternal word of God and this is where we find eternal life and all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness we've got the word to live by and in Hebrews 2 verse 3 and 4 it says how shall we escape if we neglect if we neglect this revelation of God so great a salvation which God at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him the apostles of the early church we have no excuse we shall not escape unsaved people will not escape Christians will not escape the beam of seat judgment because we have no excuse we have the word I will driving down the highway and you're doing say 80 in a 60 zone and the policeman pulls you up I didn't see the sign constable (laughs) too bad mate here's the ticket 300 going up in dollars you know when you get to heaven you know but you didn't show me yes I did every day every night I gave the bible you had it in you might have had one in your house unsaved people often do I said to a man the other day he's I was talking to him about the lord and that and I said have you got a bible yeah you're reading it yeah I thought good because <laughs> that's what's going to have an effect on him but nobody would be able to say no you didn't tell me God has spoken let's pray thank you Lord for your word thank you for the patience of the folks today oh Lord we know that you're interested in what's going on down here very very interested in every individual 8 billion people in counting Lord you know the intents of every heart you're a God that intervenes in the affairs of this world. You're a God that has shown us in nature that you do exist in all the organized system. The Lord, you're a God that has given us a revelation, a Bible, to give an account of the history and the acts of our God and the future and what's going to happen. Thank you, Lord, for this. And I pray if there's anyone that's not a Christian listening in today that they might see they need to flee to the cross believe on the lord jesus christ repent of their sins and turn to him and be saved born again bless them with salvation lead them and guide them by your spirit through your word to know the eternal god who loves them so we ask and pray this in jesus name amen